Welcome back, everybody, to the 60-minute warm-up. I am one of your hosts, Josh J. Dub Wilson, my other host, Andy C.Z. Chikalski, and we're here to get you ready for the day. How are you doing today, Andy? Good. Take two. We forgot to hit record the first time. Good thing we were only in whoa, whoa, whoa. for a couple we, minutes. We? Well, I forgot to hit record. Yes, yes, I forgot <laughs> yeah. to hit record. So, um, jumping right back into it, J-Dub, we are kind of warmed up anyways, but sometimes you warm up on your own, you don't warm up together, and that's the team warm-up. So we're doing the team warm-up here to kick things off. I got my warm-up question for you, and that's, have you ever been judged by the clerk at the store checking you out, or uh, what's your story? Oh, yeah. I, I think everybody, like, secretly gets judged in some way, because, I mean, I've been the clerk before, so it's definitely a boring job where you're just kind of, like, making up stories of what the person's doing when they get home with their groceries. But the time for me getting judged by the clerk was going to the store after a workout and I saw that protein bars were on sale while shopping and when it's, you know, 50 cents per protein bar, which they're usually like, what, a dollar, dollar fifty. So the cheaper you gotta, ones, you yeah, gotta take yeah. advantage. Yeah, you gotta take advantage. Well, what are you, are you a big spender, like $3? Uh, I bars? mean, I, I, if I'm buying a random protein bar, if I'm going to like a gas station to get a protein bar, I'm specifically looking for a Quest bar, which is probably like two fifty to three dollars. Well, at a gas station. Yeah. Yeah, gas stations you gotta you gotta consider the markup as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, for the non-big spenders, they're usually a dollar, dollar fifty per protein bar for anything between like 15, 20 grams of protein. So I, I I get like ten to fifteen of them, load them up. I'm gonna eat them eventually. Might as well buy them in bulk when you can get my normal groceries, go to the checkout line. The guy checking me out makes the offhanded joke being like, what are you, a personal trainer? Because he sees me in my Captain America tank top and I just got done working out, so I was sure I looked partially sweaty. And I looked him dead in the eyes like, yes. <laughs> and then after the like short <laughs> silence, he then goes on to, oh, cool. And we chat about our his time being a trainer and working with trainers in the past as we go through the normal checkout process and he actually became a cool guy like anytime i would see him in like the checkout if his line was the same as another one i'd go to his line until he eventually like disappeared into nowhere like any cashier eventually does so you developed a bond with this cashier after this conversation and then he just ghosted you yeah he oh, dick he had a kid in florida and was hoping to move down there one day so maybe I'm, he I'm made his dream come true yeah I'm, I'm sure you might you might he might have checked you out when you were in Florida. I'm gonna assume his name was like Steve. Steve, good for you. You made your dreams come true. No, something more like atypical, like uh, Federico, or yeah, it definitely wasn't a classic white name. <laughs> okay, not a classic uh, Christian name, as some would say. But <laughs> well, what's differently offensive terminology? <laughs> So what what spawned this question? Get, hit us with that story. So um, I recently had to go to Target. Also check to make sure you're recording. I, I'm recording. I can see the time <laughs> going up on my phone. Uh, I had to do it. So I can, or not on my phone, on my computer. We're good. I had a phone call just before we started, and it just <laughs> threw him off my routine. I have my routine of clicks, and we count down, and we do it together, and I just fucked it up. But anyway... Um, so to take this back, uh, my story back a second, uh, for Christmas, my lovely wife purchased me a new beard trimmer. So 
you know, it's really kind of sweet. It's got a little vacuum built into it. It sucks up the hair as you cut it. You know, it's, it's got you know, the different guides and everything on it. Comes with a detailer. Really cool. Really nice situation. Very sharp. Gets cuts the hair really well. But the problem is it's very sharp. And if you're doing anything below the waist, kind of, you know, keeping things clean down there, keeping it trimmed up, you know, you're running the risk of, uh, one, cutting yourself, two, it's also a weird situation of like with the vacuum sucking in the hair, like while you empty it out and clean it out, you still probably potentially have pubes hanging out in there or other body hair. So I was like, maybe I need a different solution. So I finally was like, after hearing it advertised on many different podcasts and shows. Not our podcast. Not our podcast. I mean, maybe one day, uh, indirectly sponsored here, um, maybe one day we can be sponsored, but... I went and purchased a Manscaped razor, the Manscaped lawnmower trimmer, which I think I, the one I got was a 2.0. I think they're on the 4.0 now, so it's a little older, but it came in like a package with some ball deodorant, which is just lotion, I guess, that you put on the quick dries and, you know, helps the boys stay fresh uh, down there. Yeah. So what what is the difference between like ball deodorant and just regular moisturizer or deodorant? It dried a lot faster, so I'll give it the credit there. That, that's what one of the things they, they sell on it, so it's not like... You're hanging around with like lotiony balls or anything like that, yeah. where it's like rubbing around. Dry keeps them moisturized, keeps them keeps them smelling good, I guess, for anybody who's gonna be smelling your balls at any point. But ball deodorant, uh, it's a thing. I purchased a bottle in my two pack. So at Target, you know, get my fifty bucks for for that. I have it in my basket because I'm a guy. Go to Target with a basket. If I go through the cart, it's problems. Um, but in my search for the the Manscaped lawn lawnmower package here. I purchased two other things. I purchased Strawberry Shortcake Quest bars, a four-pack uh, bars there. I started my diet. I, you know, my protein bar is the only some sense semblance of uh, cheating. I don't want to say, but like food that tastes, that make me like taste like I am cheating, but not because I build my protein bar into my meal plan. But uh, so I get that and I get two Valentine's Day cards because I'm at the store and I'm just going to get it done. So I have my three items that look like I'm setting up for a weird uh, protein bar Valentine's Day evening after just shaving my balls. But this is my setup. So I'm the thing about it when I get to the uh, place to check out that registers to check out is the Manscaped Razor has the security cables on it. So you, I, you can't open it. You can't just take it out of the box. You have to go through the line where someone can undo it for me. I'm sure maybe there could be a tendon and the self-checkout line that would come and undo it for you. But it's the same situation regardless at this yeah. point. So, I, like, Not that I'm embarrassed buying it. It's just that I know there could be a weird conversation about it, and I'm more fearful of that than anything. Human contact. It could, it could be an uh, uncomfortable thing sometimes. Yeah, and I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Like We've been doing this podcast for a year. I, I mean, I, I'm okay embarrassing myself uh, on, on you know out here. So... We're good there, but it's still, it's like, all right, I just don't want to have this conversation. But here we are anyways. I, I picked the line. I was like, okay, this guy's a younger guy, probably like 18 to like mid-20s. He's not going to say anything. He doesn't want to say anything either. He barely wants to be working this job. Let's just let him check me out like through the line, and I'm good to go. Put my basket up there, scans my protein bar, scans my cards, pulls out my Manscaped razor, looks at it. Goes to unlock it, scans it, and as you put it in the bag, he goes, man, I got to tell you, that thing is awesome. Like, I have one. It's a, it's a good investment. I told all my buddies about it. They have them. 
And I'm like, oh shit, okay, we're, we're talking about shaving our balls here together. So this is fun, cool. Uh, so my response, I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm excited for it. Like, I could have just ended it there, but I kept going. I was like, yeah, my wife got me the one where like I have like a one for my face and it, you know, it doesn't work as well. So I had to get something, you know, for, for, you know, for the boys. I was like, did I really need to go into this much detail? This guy was probably just like, yeah, cool. Like, have a nice day. <laughs> but it was a weird interaction for me that I, after it happened, I was like, well, I got to talk about this on the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely one of those where you're going to think about it for a few more nights being like, why do you offer that extra information that wasn't necessary? Yeah, I could have just ran with like, yeah, cool, man. That's awesome. I'm excited for it and let it go. But I had to go with the extra little detail of like describing why I was getting it. It was like, he, he probably knows. So over, a little bit of oversharing on my part to a random stranger. Yeah. Or next time, pick a different cashier. Pick someone that it would be super awkward like a any woman basically i would assume would say less than he said <laughs> i can go up to that one in that in that line and be like i'm taking a poll do you prefer it shaved or unshaved <laughs> just <laughs> this down but that might get you into some hot water so i'm not going to do yeah, that for sure well it was obvious that you were taking you had valentine's cards and quest bars for so you're obviously in a relationship well, clearly or we're very we're very single trying to You'll score a date for Valentine's Day. Yeah, which I didn't even think that that's coming up. So definitely didn't buy any cards. Yeah, yeah, you got time. You got time. It's still it's it's Jan, you know February fourteenth. It's so it's you know late January now. You got you got a solid three to four weeks coming up to where you can get your Valentine's Day in. Still not gonna buy one. All right, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> now, do you, you do you? You know your relationship the best. Yeah, it's more. I do what Megan is okay with hey i mean i'm in retail so i know when the holidays are coming up it's just like cyclical to me that's always yeah. you know front of mind so especially when you go to a retail store and you see stuff already up for it you're like quickly reminded like ah yes let me just take care of that but it, it also happened so far in advance for holiday stores like as soon as christmas was over valentine's day stuff was up yeah well so it goes christmas christmas clearance early valentine's day Clear out the rest of Christmas, blow up Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is over. Here comes Easter. Okay. And then once yeah. Easter's done, it's Memorial Day and like Father's Day, 4th of July, like Americana style outdoor yeah. bar barbecue patio. Like it all blurs together. Yeah, it all kind of blurs together. You get to Labor Day. Labor Day, I think, signal, I mean, it's for sure signals end of summer, beginning of fall. I actually honestly think sometimes summer in a lot of terms like starts to end uh after the fourth because like you know you have some things to look forward to but you're some people are kind of over the summer at that point like it's just hot in august and everything me i'm looking forward to as many warm months as i can so i can keep disc golfing every night um but i enjoy the fall as well but once you get into the fall oh, then it starts into harvest and thanksgiving and you know pumpkins and then you're now, now you're right back to Christmas. So I just described to you the retail cycle. Yeah, except you, you skipped the, for the like candy aisle. It's Oh yeah, shit. I said, didn't yeah. I say, I said harvest and Thanksgiving. Yeah, I harvest. totally skipped Halloween. Yeah. Halloween, huge, huge, huge for the short amount of time. People start searching for Halloween stuff in like July. Like after July 4th. Yeah, yeah honestly, like it goes into July 4th. Holiday. Halloween. Mm -hmm. Harvest time, yeah. Thanksgiving, Christmas. So yes, good call. Yeah. I can't oh. forget about Halloween. 
all those middle holidays of like Memorial Day, Fourth of July, and Labor Day, they're all the same stuff out. It's like barbecue, <clears throat> food related holidays. Fourth of July kind of gets fireworks, so it's like a little more of a real t- retail sale side plus like people are buying their like flag stuff like yep. red, white and blue shirts and swim trunks yeah and if depending on the retail industry because a lot of points i was in like i worked in the jewelry area at, at points at kohl's um, mother's day also a big uh, time frame but that kind of rolls into like you know you get into easter like mother's day and then it goes into uh memorial day father's day fourth of july yeah Anyways, enough on like, Holidays, how I the mean... store is set up over the entire year. Speaking of being warm in the summer, which it's clearly not around here. I'm thinking about uh, it, though. What, what, what do you have for the discussion this week? Well, so I've, I've finalized a few things in, in my upcoming uh, disc golf season that I think I was going to talk about. It's not nothing official, the bag official yet in terms of um, the building the bag. I think we'll talk about that as we get closer to the tournaments. But one... I did commit to the. I've told other people about it, and I've signed up for a few tournaments. I am moving up to advanced this year, so I'm taking that step up to the division. We'll see how it's going to go. Nice. Will I tank my player rating? Who knows? Will I get better? Hopefully, that's the plan. But we're going to challenge ourselves this year. So that means a lot of my tournaments shift from Sundays to Saturdays because um, they like to split the days up in order to kind of get um, as many people as they can into an event. You'll have like pro advan- pro and advanced. Uh, <clears throat> divisions going like a Saturday and like intermediate and below on Sunday. So I'm opening my weekends up a little differently. Hopefully I, you know, play on Saturday, have Sunday to, you know, mentally, physically recover and, you know, do something else and then go into your work week. So changing that up. So that's official. I've signed up for four tournaments already. Um, first one being the spring opener. Again, going back and challenging myself for the tournament I performed the worst at last year uh and i also have to play from the longer tee pads this time so things get a little more dicey we're gonna see how this plays out i want to try and get up there and play the course maybe a few times beforehand and kind of get a feel for it once we understand the pin locations but sign up for a few other events um throughout the year i actually signed up for a tournament in october already just because i knew like the registration was open and i want to play that event and i might as well just sign up for it now <clears throat> Yeah, why not? Like at that point, it's what? Not even. It's almost a year out, but slightly. Yeah, less we're talking like October, 10, yeah. 10 months out, just under, just under, just over ten months out, because it's on uh, the thirtieth of October, I think. So right before Halloween. Nice. So that's exciting news. Yeah. Moving up, got a kind of got a promotion. Are you excited for the change to Saturday, or is that kind of just like a? You had one day open on the week, and it didn't really matter if it was first or second. Yeah, I don't think it really matters. I think, honestly, in terms of especially recovery and, like, mental recovery, it's going to be better to be on Sunday. Um, and, the, you know, not to worry about – because you'll go play Saturday. You can do whatever you want Saturday night, stay out late, hang out, and then sleep in Sunday and kind of recoup. Or more likely what it'll be, especially leading up into, like, probably May or June, it'll be Saturday – play your tournament Sunday, come home and meal prep. Cause that's where I'm at now is as um, I started the diet. I know I talked about it in a few earlier episodes, but we're on track. We're starting week two right now. So week one went successfully. 
my system in terms of meal planning. And, and Actually, I'm, I'm going to stop you yeah. there because I'm going to go off of our outline. Yeah. So after my discussion, I actually want to hit on your like meal prep and yeah. diet kind of stuff. Okay. So, so quick detour from there. <laughs> uh, nothing really like too in-depth for me. It was basically just first radicals practice happened this last Tuesday, which this is, as I think I've said on the podcast before, my least favorite time of year for ultimate because our practices are super late at night, yeah. indoor, on smaller fields. A lot of things I don't like all mixed together, but at least I'm playing ultimate again. Uh, it was like super nice. We have a very young team when we were going around like introducing ourselves and saying like how many times how many years we've been on the team i would say like 70 percent of the people there was either their first year or their second year playing okay so overall very young and like intense team like the energy level was super high everybody was there hungry trying to earn a spot and i think most people believe they can and in my mind can earn their playtime through all these practices so i am really excited how this year is looking where do you stand as almost getting close to what 10 years in the AUDL? close to it yeah where, let's see it started in this would technically be 10 yeah, years because 2012 you played year? for the revolution i remember driving down yeah. to that game that's where brody smith wrecked his knee out of the start of his troubles uh, that game that happened in that game. I remember going down to watch you guys play and beat the Alley Cats. Yep, yeah, correct. Alley Cats. So, I mean, ten years. So yeah, it's crazy. Ten years. So we're you're talking a decade of AUDL right now. Um, where do you stand when you see like these young guns coming in, very hungry, very energized, and you're like, I've been on the team for nine years. Like, do you get the respect, right. or is it still? A little bit of a challenge with everybody kind of coming at you or how do the, how does that dynamic work I, I think it's like a like you get the respect but then the respect is kind of the i need to play hard against this guy to show that i can keep up with the people that are in this league which i like yeah i mean that's, like, that, that pushes you on. hopefully too to keep up exactly like we're still working out our roster like who's gonna play where so i, I like seeing people try different stuff and yeah, there's there's some people that like to play physical, which I'm one of the biggest people on the team. So good luck with that one. All right, not not and, shying away yeah. from contact is what he's telling us, everybody. Yeah, and while, while it's been ten years, it's only been eight seasons. Yeah, because there was an ACL season that you know you had to sit yeah. out for a little bit there, too, like, and then you injured it. Well, you injured just after a championship weekend, and then mm-hmm. you didn't get surgery right, right away. And then you. Well, I didn't know about it until later. Yeah, and then you. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then COVID. Co- oh yeah, was, and COVID. So, is yeah, AUDL even the second season? So they're not really. Are they marketing this as this tenth year at all, or are they? I don't. Not that out? I've seen. I, I haven't seen any like marketing for this year yet, so I don't think they are. But it technically they've been going for a decade. So. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they didn't shut down. Like, I mean, COVID canceled their season, but they didn't shut down. Yeah, exactly. So they've still been going for a decade, which is huge because how many things have shut down way before that? Like, I mean, you we had another professional league that tried to start up and shut yeah, down. Yeah, you outlasted the other professional league. 
You've outlasted like two two semi-pro football leagues. I think they're both trying to come back, but you've definitely outlasted them for a while. So, I mean, pretty good testament. And the league keeps growing, so that's a, yeah. a good investment in terms of just showing the strength of where the league's at. Like, honestly, I think it's to a really solid point. To Since it is a decade old, you're now getting kids that were watching when they were like 8 to 10 and now they're 18 to 20, and this is what they saw as the biggest like part of Ultimate. Like, they didn't know club at that point, yeah. and they only knew the AUDL, and they're starting to prioritize it over club, which is huge. Do you, I mean, yeah, do you, do you, have you seen a shift in where people think the best Ultimate is played? Like, is it played in the AUDL? Uh, it's... I wouldn't say it's there yet. It is getting closer. It's the gap is a lot lower than it used to be. Like year one, like clear, clear club. Oh yeah. I mean and to this yeah. to this point, if you took the winning AUDL team against the winning club team, it would be. I mean, last year wasn't the best example because it was basically the same team. It was both. Raleigh won them both. <laughs> yeah, but the club team would. Probably win since they took the, arguably the two best players off of their finals opponent to okay. add to their roster. <clears throat> but yeah, I would say the fact that Raleigh didn't play any club games until after the AUDL season was over kind of tells you that there's a shift of at least equally valuing each commitment do you think any of that was COVID related or it was more it was legitimately prioritizing the AUDL I think it was a little bit of both like COVID helped with that since USAU the governing body of ultimate yeah. USA ultimate for anybody who doesn't already know that loosened up the restrictions because usually for a team of that quality you have certain tournaments that you have to attend yeah. And then a certain number of games that you have to play to earn your right. bid to regionals to then qualify for nationals. Since they removed that, they didn't have to do anything before sectionals. And they could just focus on the ADL season since that took place all before sectionals. Yep. So I, I definitely <clears throat> think that helps. We'll see how that pans out this year. Because it, it will be tricky having the national champions be in the AUDL because like, what are they going to prioritize? It, it'll be, it'll be an interesting scenario to watch play out. I mean, I think, and I hope that <clears throat> ultimate keeps pushing towards that level because while USAU national might still be like probably the most competitive tournament or most prestigious tournament to win right now. I mean, maybe you could say world club championships too, but I think probably the hardest tournament to win in every year in year out is USA U like club nationals. Yep. But here's the thing, and I've heard Nate Sexton, who's a professional disc golfer, probably one of the top ten ranked golfers in the world, uh, and he actually grew up in the um, Oregon. No, is he from Oregon? Yeah, I think Oregon area, and. Or maybe he's in Washington. Oh, Northwest. Pacific Northwest. Pacific Northwest, um, yeah. He grew up, his parents played Ultimate, so he played Ultimate. He started learning disc golf. And he, you know, he was in college playing both, prioritizing, and trying to figure out where to prioritize. And I think this this kind of rang true with me at a certain point. 
and I hope this is where I want to push ultimate to is the better you get at ultimate, the more you end up having to pay. Whereas the better you got at disc golf, the more money you could win. So there's more of an opportunity then that's why he pursued obviously disc golf and just because of the, obviously the toll ultimate takes on your body. But in, in that, in that same kind of mindset, I'd like to see people who get better at ultimate be able to play and get paid for it versus having to pay thousands of dollars a year like we're talking if you go to like worlds at a certain point like if there's a world's year you're committing five thousand dollars of your own money minimum to playing club yeah that that is a good observation but i like i know ultimate is very expensive to play yeah for example this is a world's year so if you're not in driving distance of where worlds is that's already one flight plus i depending on if USAU keeps the loose restrictions or not, then that's going to be two other required tournaments that you're going to have to fly to. So you're talking three flights plus tournament fees, plus jerseys. Hotels. Yeah, exactly. So it adds up very quickly. And maybe that is part of the reason that the AU Dale is becoming more popular as well, is you can play at a super high level. You're playing one-off <clears throat> games, so you're able to play longer into your career yep. at a higher level because you're not destroying your body with seven games in a weekend. And it's like you come out in the green, like you're not losing money doing your hobby. No. And that, and that's, that's exactly kind of where I, you, I get to, to the point to is like, there's the benefits on your body, right? You're not, he's like, you're just saying you're getting more rest. You're not cramming multiple games in in a weekend. Maybe sometimes there's a back to back where you had that happen, but it's still one game one day, one game the next day. Yeah. Then you're getting your logistics paid for, probably meals, at least one meal or two meals if you're traveling, paid for. There's just more of a benefit and it's more of a sellable uh, product. And we've seen like the ESPN deals and stuff like that too, where it just makes more sense that that's hopefully the future of it. Because club is not, I don't, as long as it's been around, I don't think it's super sustainable at a certain point of, if you get as popular as it is, like the best players can't keep shelling out all this money to play. It's just not possible. No, and like that's going to become more and more apparent because one of USAU's objectives has been to make it more viewer friendly. And if they start like getting deals where ESPN is paying for them to come film, at what point are the top teams being like, ESPN's here to film us? We need to see some kind of like financial incentive for us to come to these tournaments. It can't just be like, come to these tournaments or you can't play sectionals or regionals because then you're just going to get a strike of the top teams and then ESPN is going to pull out anyways. Right. I mean, at a certain mo point, like grow the sport, uh, it doesn't, it does not motivate everybody to do it. You know what I mean? Like you can, you know, it's cool the first time Ultimate's on ESPN. I remember the first time I saw college nationals in ESPN. It's so cool that we're at this point, but it's like, okay. I mean, one college is a different story. I mean, but two, like club it's at a certain point, you know, we financially pay to get here. Like you're featuring us, you're, you know, getting profit. And I don't say profiting at this point yet, but like, Technically, I mean, you're profiting in a way off of us. What is a kickback for like getting teams to a tournament like this should be more like an incentive. And I think too, or it's either that or club like has to change 
in a, in a way to get the best out of teams has to change how their tournament structure works. Mm. But you're still yeah. asking people who are already taking probably a Thursday, Friday off of work to travel to where they're going to go play a tournament on TV and a Monday too to get back. And you're talking times off of work. I mean, you're getting to the realm of like, what's like, how do you sustain professional athletes like that? You know what I mean? Like disc golf's to the point where they have people like full time on tour, you know, Paul McBeth, Ricky Wysocki making a million dollars a year and their contracts with their manufacturers to focus on disc golf, train and travel and do what they need to do to be, you know, grow the sport and, and, and also grow their careers and their brands. So eventually ultimate needs to get to a certain point like that. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if you added every ultimate Frisbee player's salary and it didn't hit a million dollars. God, no, not even close. Like, and like sort of in USAU's defense, but not really is that some of the big in tournaments do offer like a prize pool to the winners, Okay, but it's, yeah, it's like jokingly low. Like, like you basically get your bid fee back plus twenty dollars a player. Right. Yeah. I mean, whereas in like the AUDL, you won the championship in what it was like thirty grand, twenty grand. It was twenty grand, but even then, it's like split between all the players. It only breaks down to a few hundred dollars. But when you're already getting, you're not like in debt doing anything. It's like just on top of yeah getting your normal salary. Whereas like disc golf pro tour, tour finale, like tour championships or whatever. Um, they had a, they have a cool system that definitely fits well for like watching on TV. The men's and women's divisions, each the winner of the tour championships got thirty thousand dollars this year. Yeah. So I mean, the prize money's coming in, the sponsorships are coming in. Like obviously, there's kind of an established model like to how to market golf, right? I mean, golf exists in its normal like the ball golf form exists, but. Disc golf lends to that new generation. It lends to a whole different way of selling products and a type of player and type of how you can capture people. The casual person can then see disc golf on TV and, you know, as the sports kind of explode and grow that way. But it's, there's a, there's a, you know, a framework to kind of work with it. Whereas ultimate, what do you model it after? You're modeling after like pro football, pro soccer, like baseball, like, you know, how, how do you build these games up? And eventually it's got to get to the financial support that you can, your players are, that that is their job. But I think you're, you're probably another 10 years for, before the first person even capable of that. I mean, maybe Bo did it a little bit or like the Roughnecks did it a little bit by giving people jobs with the companies (laughs) that they own the team, but it's still kind of iffy in that, in that regard. That, that guy's no longer in the game. He, the team is now they switched owners and names. So they're no longer the Roughnecks. They are the uh, Dallas Legion and they're no longer going to be having private jets fly the team to different locations. They're going to be like a normal team and take commercial flights or bus to locations. But another thing, like you had a question. I was going to say, did they win a title doing that? The first year when they got like Jimmy Mickle, Dylan Prichald, Bo, Kurt Gibson, yeah, okay. literally four of the top five best players where they bought a house. They all stayed in the house and worked at the guy's company. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to air quotes, quotes work yeah, as well too. I'm not sure if any of them actually ever showed up to a day, but yeah, that, that was the only title they won. And it's not quite fair to compare like disc golf to ultimate. No. Because one, one thing I know is like 
when you finally make it as a professional sport is you're like advertising how much your top athletes are making. So like, oh, they just signed a million dollar contract. So that's showing how established your sport is yep. to any viewers being like, oh, this is legit. Yep. And also to any of your like up and coming players, it's like you play well, this is what you get. So it's kind of like a two for bonus by advertising that. Where in Ultimate, it's still like super hush hush where depending on the team, a lot of your contracts are like, you cannot discuss this with other people. You cannot d discuss this with other teams. Like one of the, uh, Jack Williams just signed a three-year deal with New York. <coughs> Obviously they didn't talk anything about money, but I would love to know what that deal entails for like one of, if not the best player playing right now for a multi-year contract. Like, Yeah, I mean, hopefully... I mean, what, at what point do you think you see an ultimate player like have a sports agent and negotiate something like that? Because like, there's, I, I mean, are they selling yeah. jerseys? Are they like, are they selling things with his name on it? Are like, are they monetizing? Like, yeah. can he monetize himself? Like, those are things that eventually start getting into. But he also has probably has like, is it enough money for him to solely focus on ultimate? Is probably not. Yeah, it, for anybody to be in that position, they would have to. Uh, like I know one player that says he doesn't do anything else, but also still lives at home. So doesn't have rent. And also I would assume food is somewhat provided for. So overall living costs are lower and at that point. Yeah. If you have other sources of income, like he does YouTube and Instagram. So if he's getting kickbacks on that, plus his contract, it could turn into a livable wage even he's still hustling though i mean if he's if he's yeah, got to do some of those 100%. things he's still like, got to hustle it's not just like sitting back and you know letting it roll in i mean paul Macbeth isn't either now that he's like you know he's, he signed his 10-year 10, 10 million deal but he then started paul Macbeth foundation where they're putting in disc golf courses like underprivileged like places in the world like he went to like mexico and venezuela and a few other places they're doing one in chicago i think he's nice. doing that he he now donates all of his prize winnings to the paul Macbeth Macbeth Foundation, which I think probably has some tax benefits. I, I don't know exactly, but I'm sure there's a tax benefit, oh, and there's yeah. somewhere like it's cool that he's doing it. It makes sense because um, Ricky, Ricky Wysocki, who is ultimately Paul Macbeth's like biggest rival, now just signed a new contract with Dynamic Disc, four years, four million. He's doing the same thing. He's going to start the Saki Bomb Foundation, and I'm sure he's going to do that. He the one thing he did up Paul Macbeth on is he got like a. $250,000 like signing bonus, but he got it all paid in like Bitcoin, which if right now, Ooh, it went right made. now, not <laughs> worth as much as it was when he got it, but hold on to that. You, you know, you'll get it. Um, but those things, I, I think that's to the point where I think disc golf is, a, is ahead in the terms of like more legitimizing versus like ultimate trying to establish. And I think there are different points in their, their arc, you know, I think disc golf is getting close yeah. to peaking. Where I think it's 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 starting to crest a little bit. I think the growth could explode a little more. It still needs to get out of some of the niche. Like it's still a niche, I think. But and more cat. I mean, after twenty twenty, it exploded. A lot of pe more people involved in it. But it's still a niche. It's not like super popular yet. But I think it's it's starting to, on the upward trend for sure. Especially when you have contracts right. like that. Yeah, disc golf and ultimate kind of had opposite effects coming with the pandemic oh, yeah. disc golf exploded because it was something you can get out and be distant and have fun where ultimate was like oh this, you take a pretty decent sized group to get this together 
So the numbers definitely dropped over the last year or two for that. Well, I just think too, like thinking about like, honest, obviously like one company very heavily involved in both, like Discraft, very heavily involved in both. Like they make the only disc you really play with in Ultimate and they make a lot of disc golf discs for, you know, disc golf, especially with Paul McBeth, Paige Pierce, like some of the names they have in there. But you think about the, the business of disc golf is, is about moving, like really selling plastic, whereas the business of Ultimate, not not so much. Like that, there's yeah, different revenue, more Jersey. different revenues coming in that are growing those differently too. So I don't know if there's like what helps Ultimate get there. Um, jerseys, yeah, but you can still cheap out on jerseys pretty easily. True. Yeah, it's, it's going to be more of getting the viewership up so you can get sponsors because it's like huge stadium things. So you want, oh, we have 10,000 people coming. Do you want Coke or Pepsi to be the logo that they see when they walk in? It's going to be more on that side of things than it is, yeah, it's selling tons of discs and having specific disc related stuff like we've talked about before on here where it's the Paul Midbeth, like Viper. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good try. Good try. Good try. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I mean, I think situations where you have, you know, the AUDL being showcased at NFL games, like you did at Lambeau Field, uh, is a good move, and that's hopefully going to grow the exposure of it. But bringing up Lambeau Field, Jadub, I've experienced pain once again. <laughs> I once again witnessed the Packers, who built my hope up. All year, all season, they got the bye week. I, I was so amped, not, not thrilled for the 49ers coming in, but I felt good about the matchup. And once again, I am sitting here the weekend after January, late January. You know, The last two years has been the championship weekend. Now it's the divisional round, and the Packers are out of it, and they've, they've hurt me badly, J-Dub. I, I wish I could tell you anything other than, like, I told you so in the last week's episode, but I, I know it sucks. It's, it's hard to get out of a uh, toxic relationship where they do nothing but reel you back in and then dump you just out in the cold in January. It's good. The good times are good and the, the bad times are really bad. And Saturday night was a, was a bad time. Um, I was super impressed that our defense played so well and was keeping us in the game and Technically, the defense only allowed six points all game. So, pretty strong performance. But the offense uh, struggled after the first drive. It, to me, feel, felt like after there was a forced fumble on, on a pass to Mercedes Lewis that credit to the 49ers. That guy came in there and punched it out. Like, it was right on, like right on point. Just hit the ball right away, knocked it out. The offense changed at, after that. And I think it was noticeable that... It either got more conservative or Rodgers tightened up in a way where he was only throwing to like either Devontae, forcing it to Devontae Adams, or getting it to Aaron Jones. Somehow people are like, I don't know if he forgot other people were on the team or what. Um, but it was kind of frustrating to like see the style of offense very much change from like what they were doing to get them there and succeeding at to, I want to call like, I don't want to negatively say in this way to Aaron Rodgers, even though I was kind of mad at him in general that night but like it was it was hero ball right we've seen it on frisbee field before where you have the one guy trying to make everything happen or girl i guess sometimes too you have a person trying to make everything happen and they end up doing more harm than good 
in a, in a way, I thought I thought Aaron Rodgers was doing more harm than good with the way he was playing, and it was not what he was expected to be doing. Yeah, because that was an unusually low-scoring game for the Packers. Yeah, it, I I didn't watch the game, so I don't know what happened. It played right into what the 49ers needed to happen because Jimmy G was not playing well. He pretty much sucked that game. He was worse than Rodgers, which is a lot to say. But, you know, you have opportunities where the Packers came out, first drive, marched on the field, moving the ball, like running the ball outside left, outside right, passes up the middle, like really just had the defense on their heels, score a touchdown, easy. And you see that drive, you're like, okay, we're, it's, the, it's fucking go time. Like, we're going to pound this team. Especially after the next series, defense, three and out, sacks Jimmy G on like the third down, get a punt, they're driving, fumble. It's like, okay, they definitely were, if that fumble doesn't happen, they're definitely driving and scoring again. In my mind, there's no doubt that they score a touchdown after that. So, you know, things kind of slow down. There's adjustments made. Teams are kind of cleaning up and finding figuring out what it is. Like, there's a little back and forth. Packers, you know, get an interception on the 49ers in the red zone, prevent them from scoring. Rodgers hits Aaron Jones 75 yards down the field, like sets up. You're like, okay, we're at least going to get a field goal out of this because he got sacked the next play. It's like, all right, get a field goal. No, Packers special teams blow it and it gets field goal gets blocked. So you're going into halftime, it's 7-0, where it's like the 49ers like, well, we've been playing like shit and we're down one touchdown. Like this is right within our grasp, like right away. They come out. They get a big kickoff return because, of course, special teams. And then they get, I think they end up getting a field goal on that. And then it's, you know, back and forth for a little bit of just playing like shit and not really doing anything for either team. Um, finally, the Packers are able to get a, uh, they get a drive going. They're really running Aaron Jones. You know, he gets into a point. They get to the red zone. They get a false start that pushes them back a couple yards. So then they end up having to settle for a field goal. That one wasn't blocked, thank God. Um, so it's 10-3. to 3. It's like, all right, this game is going to be low scoring, but defense, you know, they're not letting up. They're not letting up. 49ers are driving in the fourth quarter. It's like, okay, well, shit, they're getting close here. Like, we got to make a play. Gets them to fourth and one. 49ers said to go for it. Packers blow it up, stuff it. Like, okay, in your mind, this is the game. Like, that, that was the game. Like, all we got to do is get, like, two fucking first downs here. Run the clock out, and we're and we're good. Like we're we're good to go. No, that's not what happened, Jada. Like they ran the ball Spoiler. unsuccessfully. Tried to pass again. Got I think they got sacked or they got something where they got pushed back. So then Rodgers, you know, as, at this point they're trying to like not to, like minimize damage. Like all right, whatever we, we don't get it. Let's bring the punt team out. Kick this out. Let the defense keep doing his thing. Let's just keep playing field position. Keep trying to win this game. Yeah. 49ers block that punt and return it for a touchdown. So there's a 10-point swing. The Packers special teams allowed to happen. And just now the game's tied. So now you're tied. Okay, we're getting the ball back. There's four minutes, five minutes left. Oh, this plenty is plenty of time. of time. Like, all right, Aaron, just go out there. You know, legacy-defining drive. Like, just get us past this game. Get over the 49er playoff hump. You're 0-3 against them right now. You know, get get over this hump. And let's put a drive together and get down there. All you need is a field goal. Better if we get a touchdown. Like, whatever. Nope. We get out there. Bad first play. Bad second play sacked. Third play. 
heave it up to Devontae in double coverage for no reason. Like, if you go back and watch the film, obviously, hindsight, 2020, wherever you go, but he has Alan Lazard break open before he throws the ball, wide open, 20 yards down the field. Would have been a first down. Would have moved the chains. Easy catch and reception. No, he just fucking launches it. Playing hero ball, throwing up in a double coverage, you know, to Devontae, and it doesn't work. So now you're like, okay, three and out. We got a punt. And you're... Me sitting at home, not feeling good about this. Uh, this is plays in the 49ers, exactly. They got a, three minutes to move the ball, and all they have to do is get in position for a field goal, and they have a field goal kicker who or a kicker who has never missed a field goal in the playoffs. Good set to have. All right, well, fuck. So, of course, you know what happens here. We drive down. There's a key third down where it's like, all right, Packers, we need to get this stop. Like, you get this stop, you get the ball back, like, we can stay in this. Guess what happened, Jaden? They did not get that stop. And so, uh, 49ers get the first down, they move a little closer, get down, run the clock to three seconds, kick the field goal, and there goes the like there goes the season. Probably the best Packers team that's been put together in a while, and I'm fucking sick of it. <laughs> so, after all of this, you've been through a lot over the last year and a oh, few not, years. Not, yeah. 11 this years. Year's been like a little, yeah. 11 years. But how, how are you feeling about Rodgers potentially not being back next year? Is this a good thing? Is this kind of like a bittersweet kind of time for a new age? So he, what do you think? Here's the thing. If like, I, I think Rodgers wants to come back. I know the front office wants him to come back. Obviously from a like chance at a winning perspective, you want him to come back, but his contract and his cap hits so big next year that in order for him to come back and the team to be competitive, he has to restructure his deal. So it's like, okay, do you do that? And then you try and keep some pieces back and bring some pieces in and really kind of lo- reload and quickly, you know, see if you can make another run at this. Like it's just getting, it's kind of just getting old, but it's, it's, you know, it is every year and it's, it's very raw still right now. I'm, I'm going through the stages of grief, but it's to a point. Like I definitely, the moment after the game ended, I was like, well, He's fucking done. Actually, I kind of don't want him here right now. Like, he's never going to be... Like, anybody who ever calls him the GOAT, again, is wrong. Like, I still I stand by that. Like, he's not the GOAT. Like, never was, never will be. It's Tom Brady, and I discuss, I, I discussed this last year. But it's the fact that, like, he's not... His legacy in the playoffs is shit. Like, it's just heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss. Granted, not all his fault, but... Still come down to him not getting the job done. So yeah. we're significantly worse without him. Uh, probably you're looking like six to nine wins, maybe at the best with Jordan Love at quarterback. So as much as I don't, like frustrated that he can be here and everything else, and that he, you know, he's still the best quarterback that we option that we have. Do you explore that? Do you keep keep him around for a while? I don't know. That's the decision that I'm glad I'm not paid to make. It, is it one of those things, though, that you could potentially, like, he leaves, Jordan Love comes in, and then everybody else kind of steps up their game since he doesn't play hero balls. So well, like, you can play more as a team. I know, because, like, for the rest of the season, he didn't do that, and the team is really well. But then maybe you need a quarterback that's not going to try to do that because they don't think that's within themselves in the playoffs. Yeah, and that, that's that's a good point, too, where it's, does Jordan Love 
hit my mic. Sorry. I, does Jordan Love bring someone who can run the Matt Lafleur offense? And Matt Lafleur has more of a you know say of the plays and kind of that way. There's more control towards it that that could work that way. Maybe um, you're still talking about like a top four quarterback of all time, like a Mount Rushmore quarterback, not the goat, but he's still a really, really, really really successful quarterback just not in the playoffs yeah well let's let's talk about some happier things and things yes. that have a better chance of success so let's get back to what you we were hitting on yesterday or not earlier yesterday, earlier in the podcast the meal prep <laughs> yes meal prep and kind of like your journey so take us on the journey and then we'll kind of have a discussion on meal prep after this. okay so as you know we talked about um on the earlier show i said i want to do this and then the holidays got in the way and i stopped um, so I've, I've committed, I've built out my meal plan. I have my workout days, my non-workout days built out four workout days, three non-workout days, calories adjusted and like, like, you know, calories needed each day. But right now I'm actually going, um, paying somebody to do the bulk of my meal prep. So I'm working with a company or a guy called getting cut with Chuck. He's a client that my brother-in-law works with. And he does also not a sponsor, not a sponsor yet, but he's awesome so far. I've had, he's a, he kind of brings me the grande grill as he calls it, where he cooks up rice, vegetables and approaching your choice. I've been doing grilled chicken, but it's flavored. Well, it has, you know, actually it's not just bland food. So, and he's a bodybuilder, so he's not giving, you know, he, he know, you know, he know, he knows what he's doing. So he's taking a big chunk of my prep work for me worth the money. I think I pay like 10 bucks a meal. And I get like, 10, like 14, 13 meals out of it. And I have leftover rice and veggies I use for the others. So it really stretches for me. And then I just got to cook up like six pounds of ground beef that I supplement everywhere else. But I'm portioning it out. Uh, workout days, you know, there's meals where heavier on the carbs post-workout, you know, just recovering and building up the carbs you need for those days. But workout days, it really comes down to like seven ounces of protein, which equates to like 35 grams of protein. And then the carbs workout, you know, that's, there's two of them. There's two meals that have one cup. The rest of the meals have like a half a cup. And then the last meal of the day, no matter what type of day is strictly protein, no carbs at the end of the night. So that's how that stacks out. Uh, I've cut down on the amount of meals I have to prepare by having a shake every day, whether it's post-workout or just a meal replacement shake to kind of cut down on the amount of work that I have to pro. Uh, and I supplement like, any of the spots where I didn't get enough protein in because it's the way how numbers work out. I have my protein bar, which is my treat for the day, as we've discussed earlier. So starting the, just to keep myself honest, you're starting the cutout. I came in at uh, my initial weight of 197, which I was surprised by. Uh, not that I felt ever like felt like I looked big or anything else. I noticed my, like my midsection carries a little more weight than anywhere else in my body. I noticed that had kind of grown. That's kind of what drove me to do this. So I start out, that's my starting weight, 197. Um, started the, Starting week two right now, I was at 195.8. So, you know, probably lost a pound, which is what I'm trying to average is a pound a week. Yeah. Um, the goal is lofty right now. And like I'm saying, like, I think I can get to the 170s, maybe 167, 65. Um, that's a lot. That's a, that's a long time to do this. But... I figured there's, you know, before I have kids or before anything else, like there's a point in time where I can try and focus and do this and I have the, the funds to do so. So that's 
where my mentality is. I was like, do it now. Get to where, hopefully a place where you can sort of maintain. Obviously, if you get to a low body fat percentage, it's hard to maintain. Like, you, you get that brain fog, everything too. But my goal, obviously, is to be able to be lighter, play disc golf better, be in a better shape. My exercises, I'm committing to kind of doing the DDP yoga stuff again to get that blend of cardio and strength training and like pliability mm. kind of going. So I might throw in a few gym sessions and stuff too, just when I get the opportunity, but that's kind of the setup and the, and the, the goals and where I'm at, where I'm progressing. We'll check in maybe each week, each episode and see where I'm at. But so far the mental thing of prepping all my food and eating and knowing it's there has been great. I, I don't mind doing this. It's pretty easy for the most part. Yeah, meal meal prepping is great. Did you have like a time frame? Like, where did you want to hit this number by, or is it just kind of like con- consecutively lose the weight and then kind of reassess? Yeah. The so day? my my thought is, I, I want to get. I have more of a goal in terms of the weight number, or just how I'm feeling and how I look. Honestly, like if I get to like one seventy five and I feel like my midsection is flat enough for I'm comfortable with it, I don't think it will be. But if I get there, it's like, hey, this is where I want to be. Like, cool. Like, if not, we'll keep going. Um, it'll be a little bit of a challenge to where if I, obviously I'm going to hit tournaments where I'm going to be cutting, like in a, in a meal prep situation. So I'll have to make sure those are like workout days and kind of comp, compensating, maybe giving myself a little more of a leeway on the amount of protein or things or carbs that day to keep my energy up or things that I like maybe snack on a little bit here or there to keep the energy up on the course, especially those days where you're playing two rounds in a day. Um, yeah, that's a long day. Yeah, that's a long day. It's a lot of mental focus, which burns calories like and just dr- makes you tired, but physical as well. So um, that's kind of the goal, but I, I want to feel better on the course. I want to look, it's, it's a little bit of, of a vain thing. I want to look better while I'm out there and everything too. Not that I said, not that I've ever looked bad in the last year since I've cut like this, but you know, I've always had, I've always been a little bit, more, I don't want to say blocky, but like, looks like I, I always looked like I've worked out in a way where it's like he is bulked up more a little. I don't know. How would you describe how I've looked over the years, Jada? I'd, I'd say without like this is obviously not meant. I'd say you look sturdy. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's not like you, you don't look you don't look overweight. You don't look underweight. It's like that guy has some like weight behind him, but he's not. It's not in a fat big. way. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you can tell that you have been in the gym. And that's like you carry weight with you, but it's not like an American normal traditional weight. Right. It's like, yeah. It's like just because you're over BMI doesn't mean that you're overweight. Because I mean, until recently, I had a BMI of like 26 and a half. Right. I mean, that's the muscle weighs more than fat, you know, <laughs> balance. Well, muscle weighs the same as fat, just it is takes up less space. Right. Well, TW, it's a saying, right? Okay. Yeah. I know, but I hate that. Yeah. Saying. It's like muscle weighs less than fat. It's like no a pound of muscle weighs the exact same as a pound of fat. The density is Anyways, different. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Correct. What What are you using to like estimate your daily needs for calories and like how are you breaking down your macros? Are you like oh. higher on the protein side of things, fat? Like what? What's the breakdown on that? I'm glad someone. Like I'm glad someone's stuff. asking me this because I did a lot of work, like to actually break this oh, out. You, you can you can count on me talking like anything fitness related. I'm all over. Yeah, that. hold on. I clicked the wrong uh, file here. Uh, where is it? Meal plan. There it is. So I used a BMI calculator 
um, to calculate my BMR days, which are my like rest. Like if I were just to sit here, how many calories my body do I need to intake to so for my body to function? Stands for basal metabolic. Yeah, rate and then my DCR days, which are my workout days. So, nice. So I broke those out. So I based on my height, my weight, my age, and you know everything else. So my my base calorie intakes on my BMR days is around. Uh, 1,830, so like 1,800 calories, like roughish. Um, on the days that I'm, I'm, I'm putting a 500 calorie deficit on those days. So I'm, my intake on those days are only 1,300 calories, and then my workout days, uh, my base calorie intake needs to be about 2,800. Um, so about a thousand more calories. Um, a day, and the calorie deficit on those days is a thousand. Um, so I'm intaking about 1800 calories on my workout days. Now where I'm playing with in terms of macro percentages, and I, this is kind of where I was a little guesstimating a little more and trying to figure it out, um, from here, but I'm 40% protein, 35% carbs and 25% fats breaking that okay, out. So you went, yeah, on the, the high side of protein, which is a good thing for weight loss because it's going to make you feel fuller, more satiated longer. Yep. And I mean, plus protein is just overall good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I get my chickens and my beefs and I had some, I broke some fish in there. Obviously we talked about my protein bars, big fan. Um, so then just being the, my, the Excel wizard I am, I break things down and obviously going through doing the math as I learned every gram of protein to get the calories, you multiply it by four. The same goes yep. for carbs and for fats, Correct. it's by nine. So I then, yep. you know, broke out based on per meal percentages and the calories I needed and everything else. Uh, I calculated like out how many grams or like ounces of protein that I need, how many cups of carbs, uh, how many things. Because as I was the first time I did this working with my brother-in-law, who is a bodybuilder, a chiropractor, does nutrition and things like that. Every five ounces of cooked protein equals, um, what is it? One, every one ounce of cooked protein equals five ounce, five grams of protein. So basically my meals, if I have five ounces of protein, that's 25 grams per meal. So, and structuring and knowing that my last meal of the day is only protein and I kind of keep it a little less, that day to, to account for having me uh, I do like four ounces, so I have my protein bar that kind of accounts for you know the, the lossage in some of the numbers and the, what I'm cutting out, and then base my carbs around basically having four meals of carbs a day versus five, and then kind of doing the at, like adding things up that way. I was able to kind of calculate what I need uh, for my meals right now. My question, I guess, to you is: is as I progress and lose weight, like do I reevaluate those numbers? Like, say I get to, like, 185, like, do I need to... I don't know if it's going to be that much of a variance, to be honest, just based on the plans I've done before, but do I reassess or do I just stick with what I have? Uh, so there's a couple of ways. You can reassess, and it's probably a good thing to, like, make sure you avoid plateaus to do so, or you can just ride it out until you hit that plat plateau, where being like, hey, I I'm working well at these calories, at these macros, I'm continuing to lose weight. 
I'm going to stick to them until I stop seeing that progress. And once you stop seeing the progress, then that's your cue to then reassess. Because obviously you need to do one of two things, either A, more activity to burn more calories, or B, lower the amount of calories that you're eating. Right. So I think it's good that I have uh, a couple resources in my my journey here. One is you, obviously, my brother-in-law and things like that, kind of partnering you know, on what that's, so I, I think it'll be good to check in on this a little bit um, and kind of keep that going. But I mean, this conversation kind of um, brings me to another thought here is, um, is this stuff that you're going to be talking about on your new podcast, Jada? Uh, potentially a little bit. So mine's at right now, not super nutrition focused. So if anybody's out there who has listened to episode one, I talked about how mental fatigue can translate into physical fatigue. And it kind of breaks down into that overall, your strength and power output is the same, but you will feel tired faster or you'll feel tired at the same, Mm -hmm. like you'll feel tired at a, more tired at the same exertion as you would in a different way. So like if you're running at nine miles an hour without mental fatigue, you're going to feel better than if you're running at nine miles an hour with mental fatigue. So it's kind of like your rating of perceived exertion is going to be higher when you're mentally fatigued in that aspect. And then I went over a couple of research studies to back that up. <clears throat> and that's kind of the way that I'm going to do for the first, like at least five episodes that I already have like outlined. And those are going to come out every other week. Next week's episode is going to be on foam rolling, like when you should do it, what it affects, oh. and fun stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been fun to kind of like dig in. And I, the overall goal is to like get that research out there about like ultimate specific things. And like just I enjoy like learning and it's nice for me to have like the research that backs that up. Yeah, I mean, I listened to episode one. Um you jumped right into studies and I was like, okay, trying to keep up. Then you started relating it back to like, you know, situations where, you know, how it relates to AUDL players, how it might relate to club or league. And I think that was really cool for me to hear is like, okay, how does this pertain to me and like the situations that I might be in? I also love that, you know, you related to working out and I can now kind of, kind of comment back on my pet peeves of people in the gym being too long on their fucking phones <laughs> Uh, yes. so that, that works out for me that that's not good for them. According to this study, they're fatiguing themselves too much because they're straining themselves mentally. But the thoughts like too of like traveling to a game, like not to strain yourself mentally the night before, like at a certain point, stop thinking about it. I, I was pretty interesting. And I think it's going to be exciting to see how that, you know, you figure that format out, how you are going to be able to you know continue into the studies you're going to bring forward. And it's hopefully you can get some cool guests and stuff on there too. I think, a solo podcast yeah. definitely lends towards like being able to do some interviews and some cool um, in-depth conversations with some people that are like-minded uh, in that scenario. Yeah, as people will quickly find out from listening to it, the first mm-hmm. half of the podcast is going to be pretty like science and research heavy. And I'm going to do my best of remembering that not everybody has the same background. So if I say a term, I'm like, Maybe people don't know where that is, and I should yeah, take a right second here. to define it. And then the second half is more application, 
and how to put it into your specific lives of whatever level that you play at. Yeah. Very cool. Very exciting to see you expand the brand out here um, and give some people some other things to listen to, maybe while they're working out. But in terms of warm-ups, J-Dub, I think we've come to the end of the warm-up here. Yeah, you, you should be warm and ready for your day. So go do whatever that is. And then when you finish, grab your meal prep and have a good meal. <laughs> and we'll catch you on the next, next one. Have a good night, J-Dub. Later.